Well, that's a very appropriate song for what we are doing here, not just this Sunday, but every Sunday when we think about it, but especially this Sunday when our theme is Renew. And it's a simple song. It's easy to pick up if you've never sung that before. I would encourage you to to revisit that song and sing it in the weeks to come, especially as we think about the idea of renewal. But as simple as that song is, when we take a step back and really take in what we are saying when we are praying, Make Me New, that's really one of the most difficult songs we could possibly sing. And I'm going to revisit a question that I asked last week when we looked at Psalm 51, the Psalm of David. Are we really ready for that heart surgery that's required for God to make us new? Are we ready to hand over the keys to God and let Him into our lives? Well, this is the season for renewal. This is the season for resolutions. And I hope that we've kept those resolutions that we made a couple of weeks ago. This is the time for setting those spiritual goals. And this morning, if you come here and you've had a yearning in your heart for a fresh start, a fresh spiritual start, then you're in the right place. And you're among the right people. If you just look around, the people here at Brentwood Oaks, we gather together as an imperfect group of people, uh, people who don't have it all together, the people who have not arrived spiritually, and yet we are people who are on a journey. And we gather together each week to seek God recreating us into the image of His Son, helping us to surrender more and more of our will to God's will. And it's not easy, this journey of faith, but it's full of joy because we are on a journey together. And this morning we're going to journey out into the wilderness to hear the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. We're going to the Gospel of Mark. And as Jeff mentioned earlier, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark in our Bible classes on Sunday morning. And uh, we hope that you will attend that. We're still at the beginning of the study. So if you want to jump in at 9 o'clock into one of our Stage of Life classes, it's a great time to, to start to come and to, to bring your Bibles and to look at what God has to tell us in His Word and conversation with others. So we'll look at the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. And every year we study a different Gospel. There are four Gospels, and I must say... The Gospel of Mark is my favorite. And this year I really mean it. Gospel of Mark is my favorite Gospel for many reasons. Uh, The Gospel of Mark is the shortest one, but it's also intricately woven together. I would say supernaturally woven together. There is so much going on in this telling of the story of Jesus of Nazareth. And the opening of Mark really begins where the whole Bible begins. So think back to the book of Genesis. The opening verse of Scripture says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here, as we open up the Gospel of Mark, we have another beginning. Another opportunity for the master artist to do more creation. New creation through the Messiah Jesus Christ. So let's hear the word of God from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, 
the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey, reminiscent of the old prophet's. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, over the last ten years, Central Texas has experienced several natural disasters, And a few of these happened in Bastrop. Uh, There were a set of forest fires. One happened in 2011 and one happened in 2015, and they were devastating. Uh, My wife's family, we we met, I guess it was a few months before the 2011 fire, and we had a a great get-together in the Pines there in Bastrop, which is one of my favorite places in Texas. And it was so saddening to see months later when you, you saw all of this lush, Pine, piney woods type area there outside of Bastrop and now it had become a charred mess and that's what forest fires do we see this happening all over the place especially recently in California and these fires are so destructive not only for the forest but also for the residents and for the businesses near those areas One of the most famous forest fires was the forest fire that took place in Yellowstone National Park in 1988. And maybe some of you have in your minds the images from the newscast when you saw Yellowstone up in flames. And it was was deadly. It started with a series of small fires and quickly got out of hand. And before all was said and done, over 790,000 acres were scorched which is about 36% of that massive park. And what once was lush green forest was now miles of charred, blackened ash. A shocking event in one of the nation's most treasured parks. And we can see that in our minds. We can see the pictures of a forest fire, and it's an image that's really, we can grab a hold of and certainly think about that in terms of our own lives. We build... We cultivate and nurture these forests of our lives. We make plans. We build walls around, of protection around our relationships, our finances, our futures. And we have these different forests all ordered and nice. And really, that's, that's the way God intends. God is a God of order, and we treasure those moments. But then there are those times when those small fires come our way. We smell the smoke, and all of a sudden there is an added stress to the order of our lives, the stress of chaos, the stress of momentary disorder. And then there are those other times 
when the small fires turn into a huge fire that's out of control and we experience profound crisis. These are the fires of disorientation, the fires of trial, the fires of faith and doubt. It's in these fires where we experience pain and suffering and grief and loss and confusion. And we have questions about how all of this is going to come together. And often what's left in our forest after these crises are the charred remains of what life once was. The lush green, wild, the lush green forest of our lives are now turned into a barren wasteland, a wilderness, if you will. And maybe this morning, well I know this morning there are those here among us who carry with them the, the charred remains of the fires of crisis. And if that's your situation this morning, then you have a good conversation partner in the people of Israel, especially by the time Jesus of Nazareth arrives. Now the nation of Israel is really a family. It's a family that goes back to one man, a man named Abraham. And God made some promises to Abraham that he would have descendants and that his descendants would be really a light to the world. It'd be a ministry to the world and bring and draw people back to him. And when we read the story of Scripture, which is really the story of Israel, especially the Old Testament, what we find is there are moments of greatness among this nation, in this nation. There are moments when, when they are dedicated to God. There are moments when they have a life that is well-ordered. The nation of Israel is a lush, green forest. But when we read Israel's story, really what we see are mostly fires. There's always a fire brewing with Israel. And most of those fires are fires that the people start themselves. Really, Israel is a reflection of all of humanity. They were a people who were chosen and rescued by God, and yet they fought for their independence the whole time. They are fighting for their freedom from God. They chase after other idols. They give their allegiance to the pagan gods, their neighbors. And they fail to take care of the weak and the frail, the widows, the orphans, the poor, the strangers at the gate. And they let injustice reign in their leaders and in their judges. That's really the story of Israel. And there's one particular moment in their history where that small fires, those small fires give way to one great big fire. It's the moment when God says, I have had enough of what the people are doing. I've had enough of, of Israel going their own way. And so specifically, around the year 586 B.C., God lifted His protection from Jerusalem and allowed the Babylonians to come in and literally set fire to the city and destroy the temple and deport the people and, and take those people and displace them to Babylon. And I think it's hard to overstate how truly devastating this was for the people. They never really recovered from this. I mean, by the time Jesus arrives, the temple had been rebuilt and they had some semblance of their former lives, but it really was just a shell. Even 600 years after the exile, the people are still trying to pick up the broken pieces and they're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for rescue because they continue to be an oppressed people. 
One of the things that struck, at, struck me this week in reading the Gospel of Mark, and especially these first eight verses, the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 1, verses that I've read many times in my lifetime, but I've tended to gloss over this point, and it's not a, it's not a major thrust of the passage, but I think it's something worth noting, especially as we're thinking about the theme of renewal. And it comes in verses 4 and 5. I'll read those again. The voice crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And it's this idea that here at the beginning of the good news, when God is about to do something so creative that it really defies imagination. But here at the beginning, God calls the people out. He calls them out of the city. He calls them away from the noise, away from the hustle and the bustle, He calls them out of the comforts of their homes and He calls them into the wilderness. The people have to go out to John and that's not easy terrain, especially if you're leaving Jerusalem and headed out to the Jordan River. There's some rocky terrain there. And I think there's something to be said for having to go out and venture into the wilderness in order to hear God's and experience God's renewal It takes a journey into the barren wasteland to remind ourselves who's really in charge. When things are comfortable, when things are easy, there's a temptation for us to think, well, we've we've got everything under control. We've got it all figured out. That's been true in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. It's been true for the people of God that the wilderness has always had a very special place for the people. It's a very hard place to be, but it's a very special place. We see this in in Moses when he's giving one of his final sermons to the people in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's what Deuteronomy is. The people are on the brink of entering into the promised land after God had rescued them, and God had led them in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're about to enter this land that had been promised all the way back to Abraham. And Moses is not allowed to go in. He's not going to be able to experience the fruit of being in the promised land. He's going to die just before going in. But he's giving the people a series of maybe last words, if you will, reminding them of who they are and whose they are. In part of these sermons, he talks about the wilderness wanderings, and he gives the people something to think about, some opportunity to reflect on what the wilderness is all about. And this is what Moses says in Deuteronomy 8. He says, you shall remember the whole way, talking about the wilderness wanderings, that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
It's in the wilderness where the people had to learn to totally depend upon God for their sustenance there in the barren wasteland. And what's happening to the people there is they're in the wilderness, and I don't think they realized it in real time. It's hard to process in real time when you're in the wilderness. But what God was doing was forging and shaping and molding a people there in the wilderness. And what He was creating was really a people who would trust in Him. He was about to send them to the promised land and they were going to be among their neighbors and they would be there among people who had different creation stories and different ways of looking at the world and different gods and different ways of worship that were quite evil. And He needed a people to go in there who would trust in Him and listen to His voice. And what was happening there in the wilderness is that their spiritual muscles were being hardened. So it should come as no surprise to us as Jesus arrives on the scene that God calls His people out to the wilderness. He calls them back to the wilderness to hear the voice of the one crying out, preparing the way. John the Baptist, who is bringing a new, fresh word for the people. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Renewal is on its way. It is right here. He's coming. When you think about it, it's often harder to hear hear God's word. It's harder to hear his voice in the busyness and the distraction of life in the city. It's harder to hear God's voice in the safety and the confines of order. It's harder to hear God's voice in the place of great comfort where complacency sets in so easily. And this morning, I want to challenge all of us. I want to challenge Brentwood Oaks to go out into the wilderness in 2020. Now, really, there are two kinds of wilderness experiences. There's the wilderness experience that is thrust upon us, which we didn't ask for, the fires of crisis, the forest fires of crisis, those places of disorientation, those places where we can't really find our our footing and we're surrounded by the smoke. Well, there's that kind of wilderness, but there's also the wilderness, a second kind, that, that really is our own choice. And it's an experience that we can experience at any time. And it's an attitude. It's a wilderness mindset where in the good times and in the bad times we come to a place where we recognize that we are completely dependent upon God every minute of the day, every second. We are dependent upon the daily bread of God. This morning, I want to challenge us in 2020 to go to that place. Not to go and invite crisis, those will come. But to put ourselves in a place where our faith is going to be stretched. Where we are attentive to God's movement in our lives and we're willing to follow Him wherever He leads us in 2020. Not to back away and say, God, I'm not going to go there. That looks too hard. But to allow ourselves to go to that place 
where we're going to have to be dependent upon God. Because that's where renewal is. It's very difficult to have renewal without a fire. That's true spiritually. Uh, that's true in nature. When we think about it, we think back to Yellowstone National Park, 1988. That fire was so devastating that there were, there were experts who said it would take 100 years for Yellowstone to recover, if it would ever recover at all. But now, some 30 years later, Yellowstone has made a remarkable recovery, and as it turns out, fire is actually good for a forest. Albeit controlled fires, fire is good. It has a cleansing effect on the forest. There's a lot of dead wood, dead trees, dead brush in a forest, and fire clears that all out. There's thick foliage in a forest, and sunlight is not really allowed to penetrate the ground. And what happens after a forest fire is that the sunlight suddenly touches the ground, and these new nutrients feed the soil, and new life starts to take place there among the charred remains. I read an observer of Yellowstone over the last 30 years, and he was talking about lodgepole pines. And this is what he said. He said, Lodgepole pines have thin bark and are readily killed in the fire. But they often bear fire-adapted cones that allow them to regenerate right after fires. When heated, the cones release vast quantities of seeds that produce a new generation of trees. This person also wrote, I've studied the recovery of Yellowstone's forest since 1989, watching landscapes of charred trees transition into lush, young forests. And it's amazing to think about that. It's amazing to think about the new life that comes out of fire. And this morning we have the opportunity to think about what God is renewing in our own lives out of the charred remains. So are you ready for renewal? Are you ready to go into the wilderness in 2020? Are you ready to find that place where our faith is stretched and molded and our spiritual muscles are hardened? Well, we have the invitation to do that this morning. James mentioned this card. I'd like you to pull this out, and we'll do a real quick preview of the weeks to come. We're going to look at this over the next four weeks, and I hope you keep this in your Bibles. I would encourage you to listen to this song, Seasons, by the Hillsong Worship Group, just to reread those lyrics, like a seed in the snow, I've been buried to grow, for your promise is loyal from seed to sequoia. And some of you, maybe many of you have been to the sequoia forest in California and you've seen those massive trees. I've never been, it's on my bucket list, but it's, uh, I would love to see that. Those trees that are as wide as a road. 
And the, the expanded lyrics to this song talk about the, the seed that is planted in Bethlehem, the, the baby born in the major, how it grows and sprouts into Calvary's sequoia. And of course, they're talking about the cross. The cross, that, that meeting place between death and new life. The cross that continues to bring about renewal out of our charred remains 2,000 years later. It is the center of our faith. It is the center of the life we have in Christ. The sequoia of the cross. And so you have those lyrics to reflect upon. But on the back you have four areas that we would like us to think about. And if you have other areas that you would like to stretch in in 2020, by all means do that. But over the next four weeks, we're going to look at each one of these individually. We're going to look at this idea of renewing through encountering God and engaging God on His terms and not our own. And and what when we take God seriously and submit ourselves to His leading. The next area of renewal is belong, which is both passive and active. There's a sense of belonging where we have to come to a community that's open to fostering and nurturing belonging. But there's also an active part. We have a responsibility to do the kinds of things that help us connect to other people and to to forge those friendships and those bonds. And one of those things is the third item of renewal, and that's this idea of service, to serve. It's amazing the kind of relationships that, that come out of serving together. Because that's really the essence of our faith. Looking around us, taking the spotlight off of ourselves and putting it on the needs of others and pouring ourselves through others. And when you do this with other people, it's, it's amazing the kinds of relationships that we have in spirit-filled service. And that last one is kind of an all-encompassing uh, term, growing or grow. Actively listening and responding to God's movement in our lives because when we do that, we're going to grow. We're going to mature in our faith. And even being willing to follow God into the wilderness to hear that voice is one of the things that's true, and I've said it before, and I'm, I'm seeing it in real time. God does His best work in the wilderness. He does His best work when we're at a place where we have nothing to give. And God is the one who puts all this together. So are you ready to go to the wilderness in 2020? Well, some of you are there. We have the opportunity to respond this morning to that invitation to fix our eyes and to tune our ears to the voice crying out in the desert. We seek that renewal. We seek God coming into our hearts and giving us and creating in us that clean, new heart, renewing the right spirit within us, that steadfast spirit that David talked about so long ago. We had the invitation to do that this morning. If, you have, if, you're, if you're in the wilderness and you need brothers and sisters in Christ to walk alongside you in, in prayer, there'll be a time for that. Here in a moment, if you want to come forward to the front, we can pray over you in a public way. If you would like to do that in a more private way, we'll have one of our shepherds or a few of our shepherds in the chapel waiting to pray with you following our assembly this morning. If you've come to a place of faith and you're ready to be baptized, to pass through the waters of baptism, to uh, 
join in with what God is doing among the people for generations and to submit ourselves in the waters. Now's the time to do that. And if you'd like to, if you've done that, you've had a conversation with us and you would like to uh, place membership with us, now's the time to do that as we stand and as we sing this prayer.